Enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all things geek. Welcome to the Temple of Geek Podcast. I'm Daniel, and this week I have a very special guest who's going to join me to talk a little bit about getting started with cosplay. Her name is Aubrey Vigil, and she is a local California cosplayer who designs her own costumes and also does other things in commission and stuff. So without further ado, let me go ahead and introduce you to today's guest. Aubrey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am very excited to have you on today. I'm excited to be here. I have- <laughs> she got all silent. <laughs> yeah, I did. I can't talk. <laughs> I told you I'm awkward. I can't do this. I'm excited to be here. I just am really bad about talking about myself. I'm so bad at self-promotion. Like uh, everywhere I go, I'll be wearing a costume or whatever. And my friends, somebody will walk up and be like, oh my God, I love that outfit. I love that dress. I love whatever. And my friends will be like, oh, she made it. She did this. She did that. And they list like my my credits on it and I, I just I can't do it myself. You're sitting there with a little checklist and you're like, these are the things that I've done, but I can't say this because I just I feel weird about self promoting. It is because it I don't know. I was raised to not brag like that, which is really funny because now that I look back on it, my grandma that actually that obviously I have parents, but for many of my years I lived with my grandmother and she's the one that kind of raised me and my brother. And she was a very, very proud woman. And she had no problem telling people like what she did, but it was like, no, you need to temper yourself and be more ladylike and be, you can't just be telling everybody, oh, I did this and I did that and I did this. And so now I'm living in a whole new world of social media and everything. And I have to self-promote and I have to be able to like, I, I say it as like pimp myself because I have to make fun of myself and my <laughs> projects and what I do. And I'm so awkward at it. I put up a post about my Kaylee costume on Replica Prop Forum's Facebook yesterday and literally was like, I hope you like it, question mark. Oh my God, this is so awkward. Like that's what I wrote in the post because I'm so bad about talking about myself. I don't ever get that vibe when I see your post on social media. Oh, they take so long to type. The clear one that I put up today, I typed it all out last night Like, and I deleted and I edited and I cropped it down and like it. I was ready to post it like midnight or I started it at like, I don't know, 10 and was actually ready to post it at like midnight. And I was like, well, if I post it now, four people will see it and then the algorithm will kill it. So I guess I'll just hold on to it. And then of course I went to post it today and all of my hashtags that I had like saved to my clipboard were gone. So I had to retype all of them into a comment and try to get it to be the first comment. So it'll show up at the top and people can, and the hashtags will actually like bring people to the post. Social media like literally confounds me. I do not understand it. And yet I'm sitting here refreshing my feed right now. I still haven't figured out any of that stuff. I am very lucky. The people that I've gotten involved with in in cosplay, the people that have helped get me more involved in cosplay are very, very open about discussing issues and how like promoting and how to best do it for yourself. And earlier this year, I joined a discord, like my, one of my favorite cosplayers, Acceleration Designs, she uh, put together a discord group and it was just like a support pod. So these are, we would all get on daily and put up our posts. And then at noon we'd all go and share our posts into the discord. So we could all go like each other's posts and comment and everything. Uh-huh. And so that like in that, it had a lot of information that broke down the algorithm at the time. The algorithm changes every couple of months and ruins everything. For instance, right now the algorithm and Instagram are really heavily promoting me to Italian cosplayers almost daily, like for the, the two weeks leading up to LA comic-con and several since then I get like daily new followers that are like their uh, bio is Italian cosplayer with like an Italy flag. I don't know why I'm so popular in Italy. I don't really understand it, but that that's where I'm really hitting home right now, I guess. Hey, that's awesome. You're starting to go international. <laughs> it's just, 
Instagram is weird. Facebook is weird. I feel really bad for my actual like Facebook friends and family and everything because they see so many of my cosplay posts, but I can't, according to everybody that I've talked to, it's just unless you have new content to put up every single day and you're not trying to build a following, there's no point in having a cosplay Facebook. And like, I already have my personal Facebook and my business Facebook. And then I have my cosplay Instagram. I have my personal Instagram. I have not posted on my personal Instagram since I believe April. I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah, since April, I reshared a post that some that uh, single dad cosplay, uh, point blank shot photography, did for my birthday. So on April 27th, I made my last post. That's another one. I get new um, followers on my personal Instagram all the time. I have not posted on it in what is that seven months? Uh-huh. Like I don't understand the way Instagram works. It it doesn't really make that much sense to me. But I'm trying, and I'm getting up there. I've broke that 750 barrier this last week so i'm up to i'm getting close to a thousand followers which is kind of cool that's awesome yeah i mean it's 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 exciting to watch the follower count rise but then you have like personally i already put a lot of pressure on myself uh another cosplayer that i follow i can't think of her handle right now oh uh at 1337 mondo she put up a thing today that was like do any other cosplayers put so much pressure on themselves that they're just waiting for the rest of the cosplay community to find out they're a fraud and I was like me because I'm legitimately it's been two and a half weeks and I'm still waiting or two weeks or whatever and I'm still waiting for comic-con LA to call me and tell me that they were wrong and that they didn't mean to to list me in the winners for the cosplay contest because I legitimately do not feel like I know what I'm doing Oh, be quiet. You, you, you're in <laughs> costumes and we're going to get ready to start talking about that because, you know, even though you said you don't like self-promoting yourself, that's what we're about to do here for the next, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> so can you give us a little bit of backstory and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay. Uh, my name is Aubrey. That's Aubrey with a B, which is how I introduced myself until I was eight years old. And then I pretty much just gave up until 18. And that's where my handle came about is at at 18, I started working at a restaurant specifically. It was a pizzeria that catered to the bar crowd in my, my hometown. And so everybody would say my name wrong. And I would just kind of like wink and put my hand on my hip and say, Oh honey, I'm not a Hepburn (laughs) because they would call me Audrey. And it was funny. And once I explain it, people really get it and they really like my name. But usually when I'm trying to tell people to follow me, yeah, I'm at not a Hepburn. They don't get it. They think I'm weird or they can't pronounce it or whatever. But um, kind of where I come from, I come from a very creatively inclined family, which is really sad to say because I can't draw. I don't even have really very neat handwriting. Um, it took me a very long time to, to find my art. And that's that's sewing, I guess. I mean, I love creating things out of fabric it's I don't feel like it's that hard but I guess it really kind of is so I guess I have an affinity for it which is kind of cool as far as where I came from costuming like I I got kind of into this little show you might have heard of it it was called Glee so when Glee first started I was very very I didn't watch the pilot I didn't I go through bouts of not having tv like I'll just have now it's okay like now you can have Netflix and Hulu and all this stuff and not even miss having actual tv but Back in the day, we're talking like 2008, 2009, I didn't have TV. We had a very extensive DVD collection, but we didn't have cable. It wasn't something I could afford. Our life circumstances, I was footing most of the bill and I couldn't, it was just a a bill that we, we couldn't afford. I was 18 and learning how to like, 18, 19, something like that, learning how to keep a house up, like pay all, that sounds really bad. My mom was around and she helped, but it was a dark time in our lives and I don't like 
bringing it up, but I, I was, I went from being a child at 17 to my 18th birthday. I was an adult and I was taking care of things and it was, it was happening. But so we didn't have TV, so I didn't see Glee. And I grew up loving classic rock. And at the restaurant I worked in, we had Sirius Radio. And the Glee covers would come on all the time. And I would get so angry. Like I would walk away from a full counter of people to go and change the radio when Glee's Journey covers would come on. Because I grew up on Journey. And I was like, who the hell do they think they are doing this to Journey? Like, what are they doing? And then, and then I hurt my knee. And I was home one night and there was literally nothing on TV. It's the middle of summer after the, and specifically it was after the first season of Glee. So this is what, 2010? That sounds about right. 2009, something like that. I think that's right. And I was at home. I couldn't work. I had a bum knee. So my knee's up on like pillows and ice packs and everything. And I'm flipping through. I finally had TV at this point. And I'm flipping through channels and I come upon the scene in Glee. And if you've seen it, you'll understand why it caught my attention so hard. But of all the football players dancing to single ladies, like in full pads on the field and everything. And I was like, what the hell? And so I went onto On Demand and I found it and I watched it. And that's the fourth episode of season one. And I immediately went and started back at the very beginning. And I was hooked. That 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 episode got me hooked. And by the time I watched from the beginning back to that fourth episode, I was hooked. I was not going to leave the show for anything. I think I binge watched that whole season like within 24 hours of finding it. And I became absolutely obsessed with Quinn Fabray. Like I'm really not sure obsessed covers it. <laughs> yeah, she's, she was an awesome character. And that whole first season was amazing. I, I'm one of those people that actually enjoyed Glee and that first season, that very first episode, you know, I actually did watch it when it first debuted and I was like, okay, this is a show I can actually watch and enjoy. That whole first season was so good. So yeah, I mean, it, it was a great show. Yeah, I remember seeing all of the promotions and everything for Glee, and it looked super cool. And they did that thing where they like aired the pilot at the end of the spring season, and then didn't air anything all summer. And I was like, "That's really weird. Maybe I'll check it out." But I like I didn't have TV at the time, so I never like got to. And where I worked had TV, but it's not like I could sit out in the customer area and watch TV mostly. I mean, we kind of did sometimes, but don't tell my old boss; he totally knows. But whatever. Um, <laughs> so I got really obsessed with Glee. And like when I say obsessed, I mean when Quinn started wearing actual clothes, I I signed up for eBay and I started buying things on eBay because I had to have particular outfits that she wore. Understandable. The one that really, really set me off was <laughs> in the episode Bad Reputation, she had this gorgeous like pastel, almost floral, like kind of watercolory dress and this turquoise sweater at the end of the episode when uh, Mr. Shu was like calling her out on the fact that she's the one that made the list. I'm totally spoiling that episode. I hope people have seen it. It's only been 10 years. So whatever. Spoiler um, warnings are out the door with this. So <laughs> go ahead. But I had to find that dress and I went online and I found this amazing Tumblr account and it was Fashion of Glee and it was other girls that were as obsessed with, with these clothes as I was. And they had actually identified clothes and they would post like relevant eBay links or if the things were like current store finds, they would post a store link so you could find them and buy them. And it became like such a ridiculous obsession and rush. Like I, I come from a family that struggles with addiction. And I like to deny that I have any struggles with that on my own. And then I look at my closet and the fact that I would go to work, I would find an item that I wanted on eBay. And I would say, okay, it's listed for $100. Well, my max bid on that would be $200 because I really, really want this dress. And 
for instance, these dresses are from anthropology. So most of them were in the 150 to 250 range anyway, uh-huh. but I couldn't afford to go buy them new or they weren't current in store or whatever. And so I'd find these dresses on eBay and I'd be like, okay, it's listed for a hundred dollars. I need to go to work tonight and make, cause I worked in mostly for cash tips. And so I'd be like, I need to make $150 so that I can justify buying this dress. And I got really, really good at it. And usually my shifts were like eight or 10 hours. So I would have plenty of time to make that money. And I had a lot of really good clientele. And again, most of these people were drunk. So you get a little flirty. You make sure they drink their water so they don't feel like crap the next day. And you get the key to dealing with drunk people is to treat them like they're six years old and they just give you money for it. <laughs> you tell them, I, I know you don't need water, but can you just drink it? It'll make me feel better. And they love you. It's amazing. I've done this through many years at that job and then through bartending. It's just, it's fabulous. But so I'd go to work and I'd make the money and I'd go home, like deposit on the way home and I'd go and I'd hit buy it now on that item where I'd put like a ridiculously high max bid and then a week later I'd have that dress and it would be amazing and I'd get to wear it. And it became such a ridiculous obsession with finding particular items that at one point I owned at least 93% of Quinn's identified wardrobe from seasons one through three. Wow. I had a lot of it. And these are dresses that I should not have been able to afford. And looking back on it, there are so many things I could have done with that money. (laughs) (laughs) But there were particular items that I wanted. Like there's this one scene in season one where all the girls are in these gorgeous yellow dresses and they're like doing this, this dance to a mashup of Walking on Sunshine and Halo. And I wanted Quinn's dress from that, but it's a Calvin Klein dress and it almost never goes online. So I... One of the, the first thing I ever sewed by myself was I sewed up a yellow dress trying to like emulate that that item. I still have that dress. I hang it on my wall from time to time when I'm getting down on myself just to show myself where I've come from <laughs> because it is so bad. I am actually, I'm so glad there are no photos of me in that dress and I am embarrassed that I wore it in public, but I was so proud of myself for making that dress. And that's kind of what set me on on the path to cosplay and everything because although that technically wasn't cosplay, that following year for Halloween or that so that's 2011 for Halloween. Cause it was during season two or it was the beginning of season three, but I, I started the costume during season two. I made Quinn's cheerleading uniform because I wanted to be Quinn for Halloween and I kind of knew how to sew. So I'm sure I could figure it out. And they finally released a costume that year, like a, an actual costume, but it was so bad. It was super, super cheap and it looked awful. And it was the season one pilot episode uniform, which is not what they were wearing by season three. And I got really angry. <laughs> so I made a Quinn for Bray cheerleading uniform and again I still have it and it's terrible but it it set me on this path to cosplay long before I knew what cosplay was the next year I made a Tinkerbell costume and I still have that one it's still pretty bad um I'm actually about to do a Tinkerbell remake for a Christmas photo shoot which I'm kind of excited about but that's yeah that's kind of if I want to get real technical, I think actually I cosplayed back in 2009, but I didn't know it was cosplay. And I'm going to I'm going to embarrass myself a little bit right here. I went to the first ever uh, Twilight convention by Creation Entertainment. Uh-huh. And I most definitely spent like a month leading up to that because there was going to be like a prom party thing on Saturday or whatever. And I definitely spent like a month trying to find not the exact dress that Bella wore to prom, but like a dress that emulated it. And I definitely wore that teal dress with my navy blue chucks to the dance party and I dance with Kellen Lutz and like it's the highlight of my life. So I'm, I'm not embarrassed that it happened, but I'm embarrassed that it was a Twilight convention. <laughs> <laughs> so so Quinn Cabrera but, and Glee got you into the cosplay scene. Um, you, you, you made a comment that you didn't feel like that that was really cosplaying. Is it because you were just buying the, the outfits or? 
Well, it wasn't that I was... Okay, so quid for gray is like how I found my style. And I say that right now while sitting here in leggings and a giant sweater. Although technically it's a sweater that Quinn wore as well. So I, I guess it kind of counts. But I spent the five years after I discovered Glee, five, six years, legitimately, especially growing up in, in a beach city in Southern California, we don't really have a lot of seasons. So worst case scenario, you put on boots instead of flats. But I lived in sundresses, cardigans, and ballet flats. And that is a, like I found myself in that style and I found myself in Quinn for Bray and that's a terrible thing to say because she was just an awful human being. But <laughs> um, I I really found myself and that's a style that I fell in love with. And so I wasn't doing it as cosplay. It was just who I was and it's what I wore every day. And now I'm sad that I don't wear it anymore. <laughs> okay, I get what you're saying now. So you, you decided to emulate the character in your lifestyle as your choice of clothing and all that stuff. Um but you didn't consider it cosplay because you weren't doing it as, you know, you wanted to dress up as this character. You wanted to basically stylize your wardrobe after her. Exactly. And then I, I mean, I also say it wasn't cosplay because I didn't know what cosplay was back then. So even when I made my, my Quinn for Bray, what would now be considered like a cosplay, it was just a Halloween costume. It's incredibly close to screen accurate because I'm an anal retentive little brat, <laughs> but <laughs> But it, it was just Halloween. I didn't know what cosplay was. Cosplay was not as mainstream back in 2010 as it is now. And I just, yeah, I don't, I didn't think of myself as a cosplayer back then. Although now I'm told, no, you've been cosplaying for a long time. So. Well, was, was it hard for you to learn how to make costumes or is that something that just comes natural to you? I have discovered since I, especially since like working on Quinn Ferrer was the first one, I actually have pretty good spatial reasoning so I can kind of look at something and see how like the shapes that I need to to have to to make that physical thing happen that 3d sculpture especially out of soft materials like fabric come to life off a flat surface um as far as Quinn I was really lucky and I found that's when I kind of discovered not necessarily the YouTube side of of sewing and cosplay but that people blogged about other projects and so you could find something I'd found somebody else that had done Quinn and so she I kind of got to follow her steps to know how to physically make the things but as far as like putting her top down I have photos that I can put up on my Instagram sometime of me like with fabric pieces kind of just blocking out the shapes that I needed to get and trying to figure out how to get them and it was a lot of trial and error but it's it's what I do like it's what I love to do um the whole <laughs> going to sound really dumb uh in 2015 I was working on my first Rapunzel costume and it was awful like I hate that I even share photos of it but I have to show kind of started from the bottom now I'm here photos but um I my mom walked into the room and I was working on my Halloween costume it was going to be Rapunzel and I was ironing this god-awful polyester satin charmeuse and I just had like the biggest smile on my face and I was like listening to music and literally just trying to iron this completely unironable fabric. It did not want to cooperate at all. And my mom's like, you look super happy right now. And I, I told her, I was like, if I could do this every day for the rest of my life, like I would be. And it's probably the one time I've ever taken my mom's advice. She looked at me and said, hey, dumbass, then do it. <laughs> and um, the important part of the story is that I am still one history class away from having an associate's degree in sociology, but I went to school that following Monday and I changed my major to clothing and textiles and I don't actually have a degree in that, but I've been through <laughs> almost all the way through two different programs as far as the physical, like clothing making classes at two different schools. But I've gotten to a point now where I just, I don't care as much about the, the, 
academic classes in the programs because there's classes about like how to wholesale buy fabric, which is actually handy, but they're teaching you from the technical standpoint of like working for a clothes, a design house and how to go and buy thousands of yards of fabric, which is not something that I need to know how to do. And I'm just, I'm to a point right now where I've kind of maxed out on financial aid and I don't really want to pay someone to teach me stuff that I don't want to know. I understand that completely. <laughs> the maxed out on financial aid part. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. Yeah. It's the absolute worst. But it's okay because someday I'm going to be a super, super famous costume designer and I'll be able to pay to take all the classes I want to take. It'll be great. Okay. So now you're a cosplayer. You, you, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. you, you call yourself a cosplayer. You are a cosplayer. You design amazing costumes. Where, where do you get your inspirations for these, for these costumes? I love really obscure costumes. And when I say obscure, like it doesn't have to be something that's very avant-garde or super abstract concept or whatever. But like my first actual cosplay was May 2017. I went to WeedonCon, which is a, a fandom's charity, fandom charities convention for all things Joss Whedon. Everybody should go. Please come see me next year. I'm working my way up. I'm trying to get a spot as a future cosplayer. We'll see if it happens. But um, my first cosplay ever, once I made it into the convention after having a complete panic attack in the parking lot, I'll tell you about that later. Um, I wore Buffy's Halloween costume from season two of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. which is critically like people don't love that episode. I adore that episode, that costume. It's this pink like princess dress. And it was when Buffy was trying to be the kind of girl that she thought Angel would like or whatever. And it's this big pink princess dress that she finds in this this little store. And that is the first costume that as a child, because I'm, I'm old, but I'm not super old. I was born in 88. So watching Buffy in 97, like I wasn't even 10 years old when Buffy started. And so watching these these the show, which is probably not the best show for a 10 or 11 year old to be watching, but I was doing it at 11 years old and seeing this dress, it was the first costume I'd ever like fallen in love with that wasn't a Disney princess. And it's something I've wanted to make for a very long time. And I just never thought I would ever have that dress. And I've spent a lot of time online searching for just pink princess dresses and trying to find, like, see if I could track it down or whatever. And in 2016, I made it for Halloween because I was like, hey, I'm moving forward in this cloth- in this costume design thing and I bet I could make it now. And it's still not perfect. I have every intention of remaking it. But I mean, nobody got it for most of the first day of the convention. Everybody thought that I had actually made Kaylee's shindig dress or tried to be Kaylee from shindig. So people were coming up to me all day long making comments like, your girl's just not very good. And it was super sweet and super funny. And I, I, you know, appreciate that they were trying to embrace that I was cosplaying, but they're two very different dresses. <laughs> oh, man. One is a pink princess dress and one is a big pink cupcake dress. And for those that don't know, I made the big pink cupcake dress this year. And um, so it was just, it was super, super awkward. But I mean, there were two moments that locked it in that I was going to be a cosplayer. This is something I was going to do for a very long time. At the very, very start of the convention day, first of all, I'm an idiot. And I, having never cosplayed before and not knowing anybody going into this convention, like I'm in a lot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer groups on Facebook. So I knew of other cosplayers like Aunt Tessie cosplay. And I think it's, I think his handle now is Nathan Drake cosplay who are going to be there. And they do Lauren and Angel cosplays uh, respectively. I knew they were going to be there, but I didn't know them. And so I knew that at least two other people out of everybody there would be in cosplay. But I did not know these people. And I show up, drive to the convention in my costume. I am in a full ball gown with a long brown wig, 
no other clothes to change into. And then I have a complete meltdown in the parking lot. Like, what if nobody else is dressed up? What if I just look like some idiot, some crazy person walking in there? Like, what am I going to do? And my mom was like, okay, calm down. You're going to be okay. It's going to be fine. You're going to go in. You're going to have a great time. If you're the only one dressed up, that's going to make you special. And everybody's going to think you're super cool. And I let her think that that pep talk worked. It didn't really. <laughs> but after driving two and a half hours, I, I did really have to, to use the facilities. So I got my hoop skirt on. We went into the con- into the hotel that the convention was at. And we're in the bathroom. And I'm standing at the sink washing my hands. And I hear this <gasps> behind me, this like tiny little gasp. And then, Mommy, it's a princess. And I turn around. And there's this like three-year-old girl standing behind me. And she's just like jaw on the floor eyes like saucers staring at me because she's in the bathroom at this hotel and it turns out they were going to the convention too which is cool but I didn't know that at the time she's just in the public restroom at this hotel and there's a princess standing at the sink and she's just like oh my god her mind is exploding that's awesome and that was kind of the moment that I was like okay okay I can do this yeah you bet your butt little girl I am a princess you tell me what princess I am I'll be her because I love kids um I often say that I prefer children to adults and it's very very true um I just, I, that's the kind of person I've always been. And so I was absolutely set to be a princess for this little girl. And then I start talking to her mom and find out they're going to the convention. So we go out to line up for our badges together and the printers were down at the badge pickup. So they were having to do everything by hand. So everything was taking a super, super, super long time. And we're standing in line with this little girl and she's just like reaching out and petting my dress. <laughs> and her mom is like, oh my God, leave this poor lady alone. And I'm like, no, it's fine. We're long story short, we were in line for like an hour. And by the end of it, I'm holding her and she's just like playing with my hair and laying her head on my shoulder. And I, that was kind of the moment that I was like, holy crap, I'm, I'm a cosplayer now. I guess that happened. Then I go through the whole convention day with nobody really recognizing what I was. Once I explained it, people were like, oh my God, you're right. That looks just like it. And that was really cool. And then at the very, very, very end of the day, like I'm getting ready to leave. And this guy dressed up like Xander comes running up to me and he's like, oh my God, you're Victorian Buffy. Now it's not a Victorian costume, but the th- sentiment is still the same. And that guy was Chris Riley. He, I found out later was, or I found out almost immediately in that conversation that he was going to be the judge at the costume contest the next day. Uh-huh. He is very involved in the convention and the co- like running the cosplay side of things for this convention. And he also opened up some amazing opportunities for me in the last year that we're now friends and it's been a year and a half that we've been friends and he's had some amazing opportunities for me, which is super cool. But he was, oh my God, you have to enter this in the costume contest. And the costume contest was the next day. And I actually, even though I say I didn't know I was a cosplayer at the time, had two other costumes because I don't do anything half-assed. <laughs> um, so I had two other costumes planned for the weekend. And I was like, oh no, I'm only wearing this day. He's like, no, you have to enter the costume contest. I'm judging it. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be super cool. You have to enter this. Please, 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 please. And so he talked me into it. And so we go home that night and my mom's like, hey, you're a cosplayer. I was like, I am not. Like tomorrow I'll get there and everybody's going to be so – like there were a lot of other cosplayers. So I didn't feel that bad by the end of the day. Uh But I still didn't feel like I belonged, if that makes sense. Um, I did have one amazing moment that day. Uh, So Weedon Con is a very small con. Last year when I went, it was the second year of the convention. It is a fan-run convention. So it's it's – the growing, but it is not the size of any of the big comic cons or comic expos or anything like that, which is actually a very neat experience. They call it intimate by design, which means that you have a lot of one-on-one time with the different celebrities. And at one point during Friday, the first day, my mom had gone upstairs to the autograph room and there was nobody in the room except for Nicholas Brendan and his personal like handling team. 
So my mom, who has had three strokes and has a lot of social anxiety and a lot of trouble talking when she gets stressed out and gets anxious, got to just hang out with her favorite character from Buffy for like 40 minutes. <laughs> and it was just like an amazing experience. It's kind of ruined Nicholas Brendan for me personally because I've seen him several times since then, including several times throughout that weekend. And every time I saw him, he didn't even say hi to me before asking me where my mom was. That's funny. He would like run up and like grab me by the arm and, oh my God, where's your mom? Hi, you look great. Where's your mom? And I was like, thanks. You know, I had a crush on Xander before I had a crush on Angel. So you're kind of ruining that for me, but it's cool. But that was an amazing <laughs> experience for her. He loved my dress, but really the one that got me is there is a character actor named Camden Toy, who is an amazing human being and everybody should follow him and love his work. But he was one of specifically one of the gentlemen from from the Buffy episode Hush. And that was one of the few characters that ever actually scared my mom. And so she got to meet him and find out what a sweetie he was. And I didn't know that he was up in that room in the autograph room. She just told me to come up there and I walk in. And now this is a guy who's usually in full creature makeup all the prosthetics in the world. So he is a costume actor. And I walk into the room and he stands up and gasps and is like, oh my Lord, that is beautiful. And my mom's like, yeah, she made it. And he goes, wait, you made this? And he comes over and starts looking at my costume. This is all the first day of me being in cosplay. So I'm like tripping out because this is a guy who literally wears ridiculous, elaborate costumes for a living every day. And he's tripping out over my Joanne's fabric ball gown. Like... <laughs> <laughs> so that was an amazing experience the next day i go back for the costume contest and i got second place which was super super awesome um i got to meet a lot of the actors and the people that were running the convention and uh i ended up like i said getting second place and then we had the buffy prom and because of that connection with chris who like i said was judging for the costume contest later that su summer so july of 2017 he invited me to san diego comic-con to the official buffy anniversary party that 20th century fox was putting on uh -huh. technically he actually invited halloween buffy i just happened to be the one that wears the costume he specifically told me halloween buffy was going because he was running the costume contest at the party and so i got to go and hang out in the vip section at this bar that was decked out as uh, the bronze from buffy i again got second place in that costume contest and got to hang out with claire kramer all night which was kind of amazing <laughs> So we talked a little bit about your inspiration um, and how you got into cosplay. So if you had to choose one of your creations as your favorite, which would it be and why? Oh, gosh, that's mean. Whew. Okay, favorite creation or favorite one to wear? Let's go with favorite creation. It's it's really hard to look at my Shinda Kaylee dress without just kind of being in awe of myself because – I mean, that's, it's a ridiculous cupcake dress. It really is. And the fact that I made it in less than two weeks because the costume designer was supposed to be at Weed and Con, unfortunately she wasn't able to make it. And so I kind of, I didn't make it for nothing. Obviously it's an amazing costume, but I could have given myself a lot more time to make it better. Um, uh -huh. That one is really hard to say. It's not my favorite, but at the same time, Rapunzel is the one that set me on this journey. And I've since done a complete rebuild on Rapunzel. I've actually made my own Rapunzel wig. So that one's really fun. But right now, like my favorite one to wear is Claire Bennett, which is really funny because I've only worn her once. But I, I make really okay. So I have to give in. Like Russ calls me a, go a ball gown cosplayer, and it's absolutely accurate. I make big princess dresses. It's what I do. But because of that, everything is always very meticulous and very in its place. I always have very fa like fanciful wigs, not like very fancy wigs, but like all my wigs are done. I'm always in a ball gown with hoops and petties and everything has to be super 
super clean and protected because it's hard to clean those things. But for Claire Bennett, I got to literally stand in the bathtub and have my friend pour fake blood all over me. <laughs> and it was so much fun. I have so many pictures of me getting bloody for Claire where I'm just like the biggest grin in the world on my face. Uh, before doing the blood, she was putting like bruises and stuff on my face to look like I'd fought with Siler. And mm -hmm. I, she would, my friend Maz, she would like do something on my face and then turn to pick more color up. And I would look in the mirror and you know, that gif of um, like Shaq and the cat where they're just like happy wiggling. With them wiggling their butts. Yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. And she was like, Aubrey, you need to stop moving. And I was like, I can't, I, I enjoy this way too much. And I did not expect to enjoy essentially destroying a costume like that. But it's so much fun. And to just be able to like be my crazy disheveled self a little bit. Not to mention she got this one really, really pop and bruise on my cheekbone. And I swear to God, I want to make cheekbone bruises the new highlight trend because it was like that bruise though. <laughs> but that one has got to be my favorite right now. And I'm sure once I make my, my Christmas tink, that'll be my favorite because tink is, again, kind of my origin. I started with her and Quinn. So that's one that I will always love. And I'm very excited. I'm currently, in fact, when we're done with this, I'm going to go in and continue working on my full size wings. Whereas previously when I made Tink, I wore like dollar store wings because I wore it to work. Um, but Claire was so much fun and I can't wait. I can't wait to do an actual photo shoot with her. Yeah. I, I liked the pictures when you posted them. I was, I was really impressed. And I mean, you showed me some of the progress work behind the scenes when you were putting it together. So, but yeah, it's, it's it was a really awesome costume and it, you did look like you have a lot of fun wearing all that blood. Oh, it was so much fun. I only actually even made it back to the convention as Bloody Claire for like an hour. So my friend and I absolutely made ourselves go out to let my friend, again, Chris Riley, uh, at Cap Lucky on Instagram. He does male cosplay pinups and they were hosting a uh, after party, like the official LGBT after party, LGBTQ, sorry, don't want to leave a letter off, um, after party for LA Comic Con at Redline Bar in downtown LA. And we went and we both remembered that we we're not very social people. And so we hate actually being out, but we got a lot of great pictures of my makeup in different lighting and stuff. Thanks to the, cause I have an iPhone. So I do those like live photos where you take one photo and it takes like 50, not really, 50, mm -hmm. but whatever. And so I got a lot of photos of my makeup in the different, like changing club lights, which was really cool. But no, Claire was so much fun. Like I would have fun going to like different restaurants <laughs> and stuff and just like, ordering stuff and watching people's reactions like oh my god is she actually hurt i love doing stuff like that um i really do i back in high school i did this monologue for my drama class and for it i had to have like a big black eye and i walked around with that makeup black eye on all day long and people were like are you okay they were tripping out especially people didn't see me in the morning and knew i did not have a black eye when i got to school that morning we're tripping out like, oh my God, what happened? What happened? Who, whose ass do I need to kick? Like, oh, darn it, I cussed. I was going to try so hard not to. Oh, uh, you're fine. <laughs> but yeah, so stuff like that is, has always been kind of fun. I'm also, I'm absolutely a klutz. So I have a whole uh, album of injury photos on my cell phone from doing things like I busted my head open while helping my friend's dad change my brakes on my birthday a couple years ago. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> I, it's a long story and it's hard to explain without a lot of like hand motions to show you where things were. But yeah, I most definitely got, I should have had five, but I got three staples in my head on my birthday because why not? And it was really funny because I, about an hour before it happened, had been on the phone with my work and they were like, why didn't you remind us it was your birthday? We wouldn't have scheduled you. I was like, no, it's totally fine. I'll be in in a little while. They're like, okay, cool. And literally exactly one hour from when I told them I would be in, I had to call back and tell them, um, I won't actually be in. I'm on my way to the emergency room. I'll call you guys later. And they're like, 
okay, what happened? And it's, I had cracked my head open. And when I did it, like, I was so mad at myself for being a klutz because that's the kind of person I am that I didn't want to believe that it happened. And I have, at the time I was, my hair was even blonder than it is now. And so I had like super, super blonde roots. I had just done my hair for my birthday and I hit my head and I was like, oh crap. And I slapped my hand down on top of it. And my friend's like, are you okay? And I immediately got mad at my friend for not like, kept, my car was up on an incline on a jack. And so when I popped the hood, it, she didn't like catch it. So it like locked back down. And I was like, damn it, why didn't you grab the hood? And she's like, Aubrey, are you okay? And the moment I said I was fine, because her eyes are getting big. So I know that I'm probably not fine. But the moment I said it, it was like a horror movie where that blood starts dripping down the middle of my face. And we go running through the house and we stick my head in the kitchen sink and her stepmom's helping us rinse it off. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. But at the top of your head doesn't actually have that many nerve endings. So you couldn't really feel how bad it hurt, but they're rinsing it out. And I immediately am like, guys, I'm, I'm about to start crying, but it's not because it hurts. I'm just really frustrated. I worked really hard on my eyeliner today and now we're messing it up in the sink. And I'm like literally upside down in the sink crying because my winged eyeliner that I worked so hard on for my birthday was getting messed up. <laughs> oh my and, God. Yeah. So, so, I busted open my scalp, got three, four staples in it, didn't have a concussion. So we're at the emergency room and nobody believes that I'm actually that hurt. And so they're just like letting us sit in the waiting room like they do. And my friend is like going full on crazy white girl, like yelling at people like, you need to, you have her out here. You don't even know what infection she's getting in her open head wound because you have her out here with everybody that's coughing and oh my God. And so the nurse comes over to look at me because I have like all this gauze piled on top of my head yeah. and I'm talking and like, yeah, I'm starting to mellow out a little bit because my head hurt, like I have a headache, but she <laughs> picks the gauze up off my head and blood just starts pouring down because head wounds, you don't feel them or I mean, you feel them, but you not as bad as you would think, but they bleed a lot. And so every time we take my hand off my head, there's just like blood filling my hair. And <laughs> they get me upstairs to a room and like we have a, a nursing staff teaching hospital. So I'm sitting there waiting for someone to come in and actually like not a room, but like one of those little like curtain room things up in the emergency room. And people keep coming in and making me take the gauze off to look because nobody believes it's actually as bad as I am because I'm like my mom. I'm cracking jokes and I'm having a good time and it's my birthday and I refuse to have my birthday ruined. And I haven't seen the top of my head. I don't know how bad it really is. Once I saw it, I kind of freaked out a little bit. But <laughs> it got to the point where like they, they got me stapled and then – so before they can do staples, they obviously have to irrigate the wound and clean it out as best they can. But my hair at this point, because it's been like an hour and a half since it happened. Saturated in blood. So matted. In, it's so saturated and so matted into it that like they cleaned it, they cleaned it, they cleaned it, they stapled me. They go to like pick the hair and stuff out of the staples so that it won't cause a problem being like ingrown or whatever. And the guy goes, uh-oh. And I was like, no, 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 uh-oh. We are absolutely fine because at this point, like everything's starting to hurt. The adrenaline is gone. It's been like two and a half hours at this point since the actual injury and I'm I'm ready to leave the hospital. It is my birthday and I just want to go and go home. And he's like, oh no, honey, I gotta get the doctor back in here. There was like a half inch that definitely needed to be stapled, but because the hair had been so matted in it, they hadn't even like seen it before. And I refused. I was like, no, no, no more staples. We're good. It'll heal. It'll heal. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. We're good. Can I, can I go now? And so we leave, but while we're at the hospital, my friend took a picture of it after the first couple of staples to show me, and I posted it on Facebook. But I don't know if you've ever been in a hospital, especially an emergency room. They very, they have very poor cell phone service. So my dumbass posts this thing on on Facebook about like, oh hey, only I would do this for my birthday, lol. And then I can receive no responses. No one can get a hold of me. Everybody in my life is freaking out because I'm not responding to them. They think I'm like dead in the hospital. 
And I remember getting very, very angry because my ex-boyfriend that I'd only been, that I'd been broken up with for a little while and was still in like the anger phase of everything uh-huh. called me freaking out as soon as I left the hospital. He's like, oh my God, I just saw the picture. Are you okay? What happened? And I, w- <laughs> I was like, I can't talk right now. I'm in the car with someone who hates you. I'll call you later. And I hung up the phone and I was like, who the F does he think he is to call me and pretend like he cares now? And my friends who hate him are in the car. They're like, yes, Aubrey, how dare he care about you? Will you calm your ass down, please? <laughs> It was so funny, but I still have the scar and it still hurts a little bit, but I got really lucky because it's like right along my natural part in my hair. So really like, unless you're doing my hair, you can't see it, which is totally cool. But I have some amazing pictures of it. I've also been to the emergency room for stabbing myself in the hand while baking my friend's birthday cake. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So so needless to say, you're you're okay with pain. You're okay with blood. (laughs) Yes and no. I, I've had so many injuries. I've destroyed the ligaments in my right ankle twice. So I, I know for a fact that I did the same thing to my left ankle in September. It's just one of those things. Like I've done it. I know what I did. The moment I did it, I knew exactly what I did. Are there any other future cosplays that you're planning that you're excited to share maybe? Absolutely. Um, I've got a couple really exciting things planned, hopefully for 2019. The first one is I'm going to be working with Aaron of Foam Armor Club on Instagram. It's an excellent store. They have hilarious, awesome t-shirts that feature sayings like death by con crunch, which is my personal favorite. <laughs> but I am a sewer. I'm, I sew. I am a seamstress. I cannot figure out foam. Like I've tried. I've made a couple small pieces. Uh, my Rapunzel frying pan is fully made out of foam and nobody ever believes me until they play with it. But I do not understand how people make flat pieces of foam into round pieces of armor. And my friend Erin is going to teach me because I'm going to do Hannah Alexander's version of Bowsette. So Bowsette obviously became like a giant uh, sexy cosplay phenomenon the last couple of weeks. But Hannah Alexander did a fully armored version of her. And I'm going to do that. And my friend Erin is going to teach me and it's going to be amazing. And I'm super, super excited to wear that to probably WonderCon. That's the goal anyway. Um, my friend and I, at least one friend, hopefully two, are putting together a bunny suit version of some of the our favorite X-Men characters, hopefully for Long Beach Comic Expo. And then Russ, single dad cosplay, has somehow convinced me to move my dream cosplay of Megara from Hercules onto my actual cosplans list. So I'm going to start work on Meg probably in February if I can get all my materials together, because that's going to be a full wig construction. Again, it's going to be a full dress that has to look completely effortless like a toga, but it actually needs to be really well structured to get the shapes and everything that hers has. But I'm very, very excited to play that sarcastic little brat. (laughs) Awesome. Well, how can our audience find out more about you? Where, Where can they go to like learn a little bit more about Aubrey? So I have a couple of different resources. Obviously my Instagram is at not a Hepburn. N-O-T-H-A-E-P-B-U-R-N, like Audrey Hepburn, but not. Um, I have a Facebook, which is Aubrey Vigil. And then if you search again, at Not a Hepburn, I have that as my nickname. So you can find me that way. My Facebook for my business is Once Upon an Elephant. And then I also have the website, onceuponanelephant.com. Because Once Upon an Elephant is my commission business. That's where I actually make costumes for others and sell them. Well, cool. you know, thanks for telling us a little bit about your history, a little bit about your life and how you got into cosplay. Now I would like to transition a little bit into basically if someone was to get started into cosplay, uh, just kind of a couple tips and pointers that you would like to share to these people um, just to kind of get them started and maybe put them in the path of 
enjoying what you enjoy. So my first question would be, what would you say is the first step in the creation process? Research. <laughs> um, all, all of the research. I, I did mention that before. Um, I am a I love screen caps. There are so many websites that you can find like accurate screen caps of episodes. People will also do color shifts on them and stuff. So you can really see seam lines and details, which are important to me. Cause I, like I said, I'm a retain anal retentive jack, butt. but, um, <laughs> also <laughs> material shop. If you live near a garment district or a fabric district, go there and literally just walk around and touch and feel as many things as you can. If they'll let you take it closer to the door so you can get sunlight on it, definitely try to get, as many ma accurate materials as you can. And accurate doesn't necessarily mean screen accurate. Accurate means accurate to your vision. So if you find a material that is absolutely not the right shade as the character you're going to do, but you like that better for your skin tone or for your costume, or you just like that color better, go with that. But I also really love texture. So I try to find materials that have a lot of different textures for my projects. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just, just shop around. Don't I mean, obviously, if you're on a time crunch, I've done the thing where when I made my first Rapunzel, I literally told my friends at six o'clock, okay, if we can actually be out of here by 630 today, I'll go buy fabric and be Rapunzel for Halloween. And they made me clock out at 629 so that I could go to the store and buy whatever Joanne's had to make my costume really fast because it was like a week before Halloween. And like, I've, I've done the time crunch thing, but if you have the time, take the time to shop around, whether that means going to all of the craft stores in your area. I mean, it, it sucks and it's really annoying and you end up usually getting distracted by other shinies and pretties, but take as much time as you can and you have to, to find the materials that you want. Otherwise, you're going to end up doing what I do and you're going to end up remaking your costumes, which is still fun, but it's, I'd rather have new characters, but there are definitely things on my Rapunzel that need to be replaced. I have every intention of fully replacing my Shindig Kaylee now that I have like actual time to make her. <laughs> would, would you say that replacing and redoing cosplay is something that uh, cosplayers do a lot? I think cosplayers definitely do it a lot, especially when they have a favorite character. Now, they do it for many reasons. They may get the costume exactly the way they want it the first time, and then the what you want will change, or a lot of times your costume will be damaged, or you'll wear it a few times and find out that things that worked in your brain or in your design don't necessarily work in actual physical form. Like wearing it to a con, you'll find out, oh, those shoes that I had do not work at all, or that place that I have that seam that I was having to pick and pull at all day, that needs to be moved because no one wants to get a picture, or I don't want anybody to have a picture of me like pulling a seam out of my butt, or... <laughs> These are not, not things that you want, but they definitely happen. You'll wear a costume and it'll look great when you're standing still in your mirror trying it on. But then you get to a con and you're walking around and you realize that things shift and they don't exactly stay in one place all the time. And you end up picking and pulling at things. And so I think remaking is definitely a part of the cosplay journey, especially if you are someone that makes all of your costumes. But I also know a lot of people that will buy costumes and then alter them to be what they want, which is still a version of remaking. Okay. You say researching is the number one most important first step. So what other tips do you have for, you know, getting someone to research a character properly? Is it just using Google as your friend? Google is your friend. YouTube is your friend because chances are someone else has already done the costume you're going to do. Um, there are so many Tumblr accounts of people like sites that actually just do nothing but post screen caps of, of shows and movies and things like that. But then there are also like I, my first and foremost love, if I could only cosplay from one show for the rest of my life, it would be Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And there is a Tumblr account called H, uh, HD Buffy, Buffy HD, something like that. And they are actually going through and um, really, <sighs> what's the word I'm looking for? Like not retouching, but I guess retouching, whatever the episodes of Buffy and putting up 
episodes of Buffy that are a lot brighter in color. So they're, they're color shifting it a little bit so they can get some of the, cause Buffy's a very dark show. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm using it as an example. So it's very hard to get the detail you want. Plus the show was shot in 1997, 1998 up to 2003. So the quality itself wasn't as good as it could have been because it wasn't available at the time. It wasn't in high def. And so they're going, it was not in high def at all. <laughs> and so this particular Tumblr account that I follow is going in their, um, retouching the episodes and putting them up as full episodes with much brighter color saturation and a lot of the darkness is removed so you can actually see these. So definitely, I mean, take your time to search, whether it's just searching the word screen cap in Google, actually getting onto Tumblr and looking for particular accounts, or again, uh, DeviantArt is another really great place. Um, I mean, Instagram, a lot of people post all kinds of, of research, of screen caps and whatever of their favorite characters on Instagram. So that's another one. But yeah, it kind of is a lot of Google is your friend. <laughs> Google is your friend. It's it's everybody's friend for everything. I mean, not just cosplay. <laughs> what tools do you find yourself using most often? Uh, my sewing machine, obviously, but I also have this tool, and I'll send you a link to it that you can post with the um with the podcast. It's called a four in one, and it's so it's it's this wooden tool, and on one end there is an awl, which is like a pointy piece of metal meant for poking holes in fabric and leather on the other end there is a seam ripper but then both of those because they're sharp have covers on them and one is a like flat press so it's a piece of wood with an angle on it so you can kind of press seams without actually heat pressing them if you just need to press something open really quick Uh and then on the other end is a point turner and that is my number one tool i need to buy like five more of them because i always seem to misplace it but because i can do just about anything with that one tool except for actually sewing but as far as needing to open a seam or unpick a stitch or you know press something open turn something out it's it's an amazing thing it's like 15 dollars on amazon it is the best 15 dollars i've ever spent now um i guess to follow up on that question are there any tools or anything that you would recommend cosplayers to carry with them while they're at conventions and stuff yes you need to make yourself and this is going to be very specified to you, but then there are also generic ideas of like cosplay emergency kits. I specifically have these little tins that I try to get for each one of my costumes. Um, I'm a tea drinker, so I buy Adagio teas, which come in tins, and that's where I get my tins. And that way they have like a character reference on the front that I try to make relevant to my costume. But in that, I'll put like for my my prime example, the one I just did was Shindig Kaylee. So in that, I have extra sleeve tassels because those things fall off all the time. I have loops of thread for each color that I may need. I have two or three needles. I have safety pins. I have usually a lip balm, but that's personally me because I always forget to actually carry it. Um, a bandaid. I have usually a, a change of earrings because I usually have like, I, I'm a crazy person. I like to wear dangly earrings with long wigs and they all get tangled and annoyed. So I usually have something else because I like to have a little bit of sparkle, but stuff like that, that you need to fix that that particular costume. And then I also take that and make sure it's restocked at the end of a convention and store it with my costume. So like, you, I guess you keep them in like little bags and stuff next to your costume or maybe hooked onto the hanger or whatever with it? Yeah, I store most of my things in garment bags. So it'll be in the bottom of the garment bag with like my shoes or whatever. And then at a convention, um, if I can carry it myself, I will have it in my own backpack. Like for my Eevee, I have in it. I have my little uh, Rocket Raccoon backpack that I wore at LA Comic Con, uh-huh. and I had my things in that. But I also, it's a small tin, so I'll put it in like the pocket of a bag, and then have my handler, which is usually my mom, carry the bag, so that it's always within reach. That's the important part. Don't have an emergency kit and then not know where it is. <laughs> Your handler's off hanging out with a celebrity somewhere, and <laughs> I love her. But she does disappear. I was telling her I need to get a. Uh, 
so I'm, uh, you and I have discussed this. I'm kind of an Apple whore. I have Apple everything, even though I hate myself for it. I need to get an Apple watch because she'll walk away with my phone and then no one, including her, can get a hold of me because she'll start calling me and then realize she's holding my phone. <laughs> and so I need to get some kind of device where I can actually communicate with people without my physical phone. Yeah, the watch will probably be very useful. I'm going to have to if I keep doing these conventions because I love her dearly, but my mom's as distractible as I am. So she'll start talking to somebody and just start walking with them. And I'm still stuck taking photos wherever I was. And then I look up and she's gone or she looks up and I'm gone. And she usually blames me for it, even though she's the one that walked away. That's funny. Someone getting into a first time costume. So they're getting ready to start costuming, uh, do cosplay for the very first time. Should they go all out, invest a bunch of money, build this costume exactly the way they want it? Or should they try to keep it budget friendly first to make sure this is exactly what they want to do? There are two answers to this. Um, I think that you should try to keep it friendly as far as budget, but also find a comfortable costume for your first costume. My first costume, I was at a full ball gown with a hoop skirt and heels, and I hated every second of it because it's very, very uncomfortable. You can't sit very well. You can't stand because you're in heels. Find some, you, you have to understand when you go to a convention that you're going to be on your feet for hours at a time, and you're going to be in this costume for hours. So try to find something that is physically friendly and physically comfortable. Sometimes, that unfortunately, you do have to invest a little bit of money in that, but that also means trying to find more relaxed versions of your character like my cheerleader Buffy or my personal favorite of my Buffy's I think is my Red Riding Hood Buffy because it's a little dress and an apron so it's and a, a, obviously a hood but that one I've also integrated storage into that's another thing integrate storage into your costumes that's where you need to spend your money whether that's having pockets or a backpack or a hidden bag or something because you want to be able to hold your own stuff so your handler doesn't walk off with your phone <laughs> <laughs> But so uh, Red Riding Hood Buffy shoes, it's a, it, literally another Halloween costume of Buffy's. So I have sneakers on and I have a dress and the dress has short sleeves, but I have a cape. So if I get cold, I have a cape, but if I get warm, I can take that off. And then I have my picnic basket that has like my steak in it, but it also has my phone and usually my business cards and a snack and a bottle of water. And so that's, I think my, my biggest suggestion for first time cosplayers is have a costume you can have integrated storage in. So you're not having to put your stuff down on the ground and worry about that if you're getting photos and physically like comfortable shoes don't be the person that goes all out with their costume and then wears tennis shoes that don't fit the character because that you'll be mad at yourself when you see those photos later but if you can have a character who wears the kind of shoes that you already wear in your everyday life so you're used to those shoes even if they ha do have a little bit of a heel or a wedge like i have a favorite pair of booties and anytime i can wear those for a co costume i do because i wear those every day anyway mm -hmm. so <sighs> I guess that's my thing is be more, I worry, especially the first time, or if it's the first time going to a particular con about being physically friendly with my costumes rather than necessarily as budget friendly as I could be. But I'm also a crazy person who went all out and made a ball gown for their first cosplay. So what do I really know? Is there anything that you wish that you have, that you knew back then that you know now about, you know, when you started cosplaying? Oh, spend more than $20 on your first wig. I know you don't want to, and I know it seems silly, and it's just hair, but I cringe when I see the photos of the first time I wore Halloween Buffy. My wig was so bad. Bad because it was stringy? So what I actually got from my... Again, when I made Halloween Buffy, before I knew I was going to be cosplaying with it, it was a Halloween costume. So I just bought like a long brown curly wig on Amazon. It was super cheap. It was super long and curly. Um, it didn't suit the character at all when I wore it for Halloween because I wore it right out of the bag. But for my con, I had actually like straightened it and... Uh, curled it so it looked like in the episode with Buffy like her hair when she's turned into the costume her hair is just like long and curly and unkempt and so that's what the wig looked like but it looked bad like the hairline is terrible it was not meant to be worn the way I was wearing it and it's really just awful 
since then I've, I've discovered like Arda wigs and Epic cosplay wigs and these things that I always thought was, do I really need to spend that much money on a wig? You really need to spend that much money on a wig. They're not that much more expensive. The quality is a lot better. And a lot of these companies now are designing these wigs for cosplay. And so the quality that you want for cosplay is there. They're also, the wig themselves is made in such a way that they're very easy to tease. They're very easy to restyle. They are very easy to make into the big anime spikes. You can't, I mean, you can do that with an Amazon wig, but you're going to have to buy more of the cheaper wig to get the amount of hair that you need for a lot of those styles. Whereas if you buy a cosplay wig, it is already designed with cosplay and restyle in mind. If that makes sense. That does make sense. Yeah. I mean, you know, Halloween just was just a couple weeks ago or actually yeah, about two weeks ago. And, you know, when you go out to get your Halloween costume at the Halloween stores and stuff, you find those wigs that have like the cheap hair and mm-hmm. that that's, that's what you're talking about. You don't want to sport something like that. That looks, looks like it was bought off of a shelf at a Halloween store that. Exactly. You, you don't want to take all that time and put all that effort into making your costume exactly what you want and then put a cheap plastic, very, very shiny, very thin, unkempt wig on your head. You basically, that's kind of exactly right. I know a lot of Halloween stores are now starting to carry better wigs. Um, for instance, I know Rockstar wigs were in some Halloween stores this year, which is Rockstar's another really awesome company. But for the most part, you're going to walk into a Halloween store, you're going to spend $50 on a $15 wig because it's a Halloween store. And that wig is going to look like it cost you $15. It's a, a sad state of affairs, but really, it's you get what you pay for in a lot of these cases. And if you can see your own hair through the wig, it's a bad wig. And I wish that's one of those things that was just kind of like inherent knowledge back when I started. And it, it's not. That's not to say you can't find really good wigs on Amazon. My blonde wig that I wore for Claire and I wear her for Karen Smith and I've worn her for Buffy and Supergirl. She, it, It's a good wig. I got it for $17 on Amazon. At Halloween time, it went up to almost $30 and now it's back down to $15. But that is a good wig. I got very, very lucky with that. I've also have... A whole bag of just trash wigs that I bought on Amazon, and I keep them specifically so I can harvest hair from them later if I need to, because <laughs> they're bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm just picturing you having this like bag of wigs, and you're sitting there harvesting hair. You know, it just sounds sounds uh, not evil, but <laughs> what's the word? It I'm sounds a little for? maniacal, <laughs> a little malevolent. I'm harvesting hair, <laughs> but um, you do what you gotta do. <laughs> Of course. I mean, if you need hair, you got it. I mean, it's there in the bag. So why, why waste it? Exactly. What tips or advice would you, would you give a first time cosplayer um, that's curious about making their own cosplays? I know we've already talked about a couple things, but are there any other personal tips and advice that you would, you would like to share to these first time cosplayers? Have fun with it. And this is going to sound counterproductive because I know all of us, work in con crunch or whatever but when you need to get up and walk away from your project get up and walk away from it even if it's just to get up long enough to walk around the house or get something to eat or in my case usually get a cup of coffee you need to give yourself a break sometimes and i'm really bad at this personally so i know how hard it is but if you are forcing yourself to work through a situation and you're doing that thing that i've done several times where you're crying while you're sewing something it's gonna look bad it's it's not gonna look the way you want it to look because you weren't at your best to to do it then so as far as making your first time cosplay take it easy don't force yourself to do something that you're physically aren't invested in at the time i guess is the best way to put it 
take breaks. That's the big one. Take breaks. Eat, drink. I'm really bad about that one too. I'll get up and start working at eight o'clock in the morning. And at five o'clock, I'm ready to throw my sewing machine out the window and I can't figure out why. And I realize, oh, I've literally only had coffee all day. So I'm amped up on caffeine. I'm starving. And I haven't been taking care of myself. I haven't been hydrating. So I'm dehydrated, which is also making me cranky and making me tired and get up and get the blood flowing. Because that's another thing that I deal with is really bad back pain and like hip pain because I'll sit at my sewing table for 10 hours straight without moving. Believe me, I understand sitting in one place for long periods of time. You just, you get so focused on doing what you're doing that you, you forget that, Hey, I need to go up and go get something to eat or, Hey, I need to just stand up. Um, I need to be a human being for a few minutes. I need to engage with a human. Yeah. I, I mean, I understand that completely. I mean, it's just, you get so focused and you're, trying to get something completed that you just, it just slips your mind. It's not important, but it, it really is. But it really is important. Yeah. Um, but then other than that, just, just have fun with it. If you, by the time you finish your costume, you don't want to go to the convention because you're not having fun with it anymore. You're doing something wrong and don't get me wrong. I've been there too. I'm very notorious for getting about 98% of the way through a costume and then just not wanting to finish it. Like, I don't even want to go to the con anymore. And it's just, you're tired. You're cranky. It's not that you don't love what you do. It's not that you don't love your costume. It's not that your costume's not going to be awesome at the convention, but you haven't been taking care of yourself physically or mentally. And so it's not fun anymore. And you need to make sure that you are still having fun with it. It sounds really cheesy. And I know that it's like one of those go-to cosplayer answers, but it's called cosplay. Yes, there are people that make a living off being a cosplayer. There are people like me that are trying to make a living off making cosplay costumes, but you need to have fun with it. You still need to engage and be excited about the character. Otherwise, you're going to have this amazing looking costume and these awful pictures because you just have a grumpy cat look on your face. <laughs> and I mean, not only that, you, you talk about people making money and stuff off of it, but they're, they're making money and you're trying to make money off of it because you're doing something that you enjoy doing. I love it so much. It's I hate... Okay, so the whole thing that I haven't mentioned this entire time is I don't actually want to be a cosplayer forever. I cosplay right now because it is a very easy, cheap way, well not cheap, but cheaper way to advertise the fact that I am a costume maker. Um, you and I have joked before we started recording that I am an awkward turtle. I'm very uncomfortable in front of the camera. There are very few photographers that actually get good pictures of me because I'm usually so concerned about what the pictures are going to look like that I'm making weird faces or I'm posing really dumb or I just, I don't come into the photo shoot with enough ideas about how I need to pose or what faces I want to make because I don't like being the center of attention. I very much like being behind the scenes. I like making the costumes and I have a f notebook full of costumes that I want to make for other people to wear. And that's where the costumer, costumer of you comes out. Exactly. You, you, you see somebody, you see a costume and you're like, I have an idea of what would look great on you. I am actually kind of in talks with a friend of mine who is a cosplay model and she doesn't make cosplays, but she wears them for a living. She d works for sponsorships and stuff. And I was like, you and I need to get together. I need to get your measurements. I've got like five things I want to make and then just promote the hell out of them for me because there are costumes that would not, I'm, I'm a plus size cosplayer. So there are a lot of costumes that I don't physically feel comfortable wearing in, in public or wearing in private and taking photos in private, but then publicizing those photos because I am not happy with the way I physically suit that character or that costume. But I'm more than happy. I 
the prime example that I'm obsessing about lately, and I don't know why because I haven't even watched the movie lately, is Silk Spectre from Watchmen. I desperately want to make that. So if somebody is listening to this that wants to be Silk Spectre, contact me. I want to make this costume. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of that, how let's let's go over that again. How would someone get in touch with you and find out more about you again, if you don't mind going over all your social sites? Absolutely. The most important one is uh, Instagram. I'm at not a Hepburn on Instagram. You can DM me there. You can comment on my posts. You can contact me there however you need. My email is also linked in my bio on Instagram. My email, it, it's aubreykvigil at gmail.com. You can contact me there. I'm on Facebook as Aubrey Vigil and as Once Upon an Elephant. Or if it is specifically about getting a costume made, you can go to my website, onceuponanelephant.com. And there's a contact box there. You can contact me there and we can talk about getting something custom costume created for you. That's kind of my tagline. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I want to do. So all of you wonderful cosplayers that are worried about making your own cosplay, go ahead and contact me. I'll make it for you. It'll be great. Awesome. Aubrey, thank you so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed chatting with you and talking to you about cosplay. And I could tell you're really, really passionate about it. Thank you so much for having me and for letting me ramble for most of the last hour and 15 minutes because I tangent. It's what I do. <laughs> Tangents turn into fantastic topics. So it was great. Awesome. Excellent. Awesome I'm stuff. glad to hear it. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Temple of Geek podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to hit us up on Facebook or Twitter by using the handle Temple of Geek. If you want to check out some of our other episodes or shows, why don't you head over to templeofgeek.com. There you'll find all sorts of content that pertains to the world of geek. Thank you, Aubrey, for joining us on this episode. I've been Daniel, and we'll see you next time. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Temple of Geek. And remember to visit templeofgeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.